Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. to another episode of the New England Society of Geeks podcast. It's been a while, but we're back to do another episode of the not-so-monthly comics cast, which means, of course, that I have with me the cosmic comic Dario. Hey, everybody. And as a special guest tonight, we have the world's greatest sidekick, Paul. How you guys doing tonight? Yeah, we're doing. Yeah. So, of course, with the whole uh, coronavirus thing, we can't be in a room together to record, so we're trying our best to record right now. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. This is proper social distancing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, so let us begin with some comic book reviews. And since things have been slow, neither Paul or I have anything to review. So, Dario, we shall leave it up to you. I, as always, have a large stack of comics that I have not, not read, so I use that time to get caught up. There's a lot more I could have gone through, but I just grabbed four. Uh, so the first book I'm going to talk about is a Marvel book. It is X-Men by Jonathan Hickman, and I know we've talked about this particular book in the past, but uh, I don't know. I don't think you talked about issue number seven before, have you, Derek? I don't, I don't think, think we so, no. This came out about a month before the lockdown. So it's X-Men issue number seven, and it's written by Jonathan Hicks, and the artist is, oh God, Lentil? L-E-I-N-I-L? Linnell Francis U? Linnell Francis and, U, yep. Yep, and, and the color artist is Sonny Go, G-H-O, and the letter is VCs Clayton Cowles, and the designer is Tom Muller, as he's the designer of all his books. So it's from Marvel Comics, and on the... It, front cover, I immediately kind of drew my attention. It was Apocalypse with this giant sword getting ready to, like, just destroying an image of the X-Men. Oh, wow. And for those of you who have been following along with this book, know that all the mutants now live on Krakatoa in various places in the world within Krakatoa's pods. Right. And they've created a mutant council and a mutant nation. And one of the rules that they... Uh, came up with was that mutant can't kill mutant and if you die you can get resurrected and brought back to life um, along with a lot of other rules that they haven't really either they haven't told us all yet or since I'm not a regular reader of the book I maybe haven't encountered yet but this particular one is focusing on an event called the crucible this issue is great this, it read it flowed so well and it covered a bunch of like characters on the islands and some of the motivations all within the story of telling what this crucible is. So uh, the character it focuses on mostly is Cyclops and Nightcrawler as they kind of walk around and talk about the repercussions of the event that's happening today because it's apparently affecting everybody on the island in some way or another because it's the first one. 
And what it is is there's a mutant character who is, I think, the sister of Cannibal. She's got the same last name, uh, Guthrie. Her name is Melody Guthrie. Oh. And her superhero superhero name is uh, Ario, I think. Mm. Are you familiar with her? Kind of, yeah. So I've, I've really no knowledge of this character, uh, but she seems interesting. But she recently had her powers taken from her, and now she's effectively a, a human. And the Crucible is a way for a mutant to die and be reborn with their because if they if they have no whenever they get resurrected, they're resurrected in their in their perfect time. Like she'll be, you know, in the perfect body that she had at the time. She'll have her powers and all that stuff. Right. So, but mutants aren't allowed to kill themselves. They can't. You can't commit suicide. And mutants are allowed to kill other mutants unless it's performed in the crucible, and that's what this is. So it's a literally a gladiator style event where everybody gathers together and watches as this whole big ceremony takes place with Apocalypse. Now I'm jumping ahead quite a bit in the story here. Where Apocalypse comes out and gives this speech about mutants, about humans, about uh, people's like level on the evolutionary scale, and really just beats her down, demeans her mentally. Um, they, they get into a sword fight, and uh, she has to defend herself and, and fight for what she wants. And ultimately what happens here is Apocalypse kills her, and that way she can be reborn with her powers. But all the other mutants are kind of forced to watch it as it happens, and that's why it's kind of affecting everybody on a different level, uh, specifically with Cyclops and Nightcrawler walking around. Uh, Nightcrawler being a very religious character is trying to figure out how this, you know, fits into the new mutant society right. and Cyclops, you know, who Cyclops is pretty, I think a pretty complicated character uh, regarding his story arcs in the past, but he's, he's not against it, but he's also not for it. And he's just a little confused and he's, he decided uh, at Wolverine's kind of uh, suggestion to go talk to Nightcrawler and they walk around and they visit Exodus because um, everybody has, their own spots on the island and exodus is talking to a bunch of followers of his and they're all talking about the crucible and getting ready for it and during his speech he brings up uh this uh, the scarlet witch and you really see how they all hate the scarlet witch like they like they like the second he brings her name up the kids start putting their hands over their ears and just yeah. saying pretender pretender we mustn't say your name kind of like uh a harry potter thing you know you just never say right. the name of a bad guy uh, but this was such a great issue. Um, rather than go through it page by page and describe each thing that happens here, I'm just going to say that uh, out of all the books I've read so far, because I grab some, I don't buy it, but I do grab them off the shelf. And I've read some X Men issues and thought, eh. And then this one really is just is great, and I highly suggest it. So I, if I was going to rate that one, I would give that particular book not a full gauntlet because that is the best. <laughs> But I'm going to give it best six stones. Six stones. Wow. I'm impressed. There's six, right? There's not there's five stones. Yeah, there's six. There's yeah. six stones. Yeah. Because yeah. I keep I keep forgetting the one on the back of the hand. Yeah. I give that six stones. Get complicated. <laughs> I always every single time we talk about the rating system, I'm like, how many stones are there again? <laughs> uh, all right. So the next book I have on my stack is from a company called Aftershock, which I need to learn more about this company because I'm liking the things that they put out, hmm. but I don't know much about the company. Well, they're smaller, and company, it's a book right? called Join the Future. Join yeah, it's a smaller, a smaller, uh, smaller press company. So it's called Join the Future, and 
The creative team is writer and creator is Zach Kaplan. The artist is Pietor Kolaski. Hmm. Uh, the colorist is Brad Simpson. And I can't even attempt to read the letter's name. Hassan. And then I can't, the rest of it's a lot of, lot of vowels. I should be able to read it, but I, uh, I don't want to be able to read it right. But anyway, it's a sci-fi story. And how do I even begin to express it? So they don't give me a lot of information. It starts out with uh, kind of like an advertisement of uh, or like an orientation video uh, where they're, they're trying to draw people into the city. So there's these three people saying, hello, and thanks for joining us. We would like to take a moment to welcome you to our city and show you how the future has never been better. And then they talk about their, their vertical gardens. They talk about their health care. They talk about how they have their they one of them says, feel true safety for you and your children, monitored and protected by state-of-the-art, human-managed robotic security. And then design your own home and watch as complimentary 3D printer bots produce decor right before your eyes. Congratulations, guys. Because uh, they show that the people in the house have these little have these 3D printers that will print all their furniture. Hmm, cool so everybody gets paid. Everybody in the city receives a basic income, and they're allowed to do whatever they want. And there's giant sporting events there's giant theaters there's it's a mega city where you can do whatever you want and it's a utopia and everything's perfect and the end of the orientation video has the three of them standing in front of a very picturesque scene of the city and they're like join the future and then there's a what i think is a very cool like i know you can see this but the the listeners can't but it's a very cool like sky image and the words join the future really big and then we go to the Midwest in the in the future. They don't set a time, although there's backup pages here that have letters that are being sent to different people, and they're dated 55, so I'm assuming it's 2055, just guess. Um, but the when they jump to someplace that's not the city, it's outdoors, and it's a father and his youngest son and his older daughter, and they're hunting, and he's teaching his daughter how to fire a rifle, and you immediately find that, you know, they're, it's like kind of like the old West kind of a thing where they're living off of the land and there's not a lot of tech besides their guns and that kind of stuff. Uh, the son mentions that tech is there. He's like, he's like, why don't you just use a smart gun? And the father's like, we don't do that here. We try and do things the old ways. Hmm. And um, the girl accidentally um, stumbles across a, a wolf or a coyote that attacks her. And her father saves her. There's a whole like a page and a half of, of, of a fight with the, of the wolf. And she is so freaked out that she starts having an asthma attack. And he can't find her inhaler because she lost it in the fight. And they have to take her to a trader who has access to higher technology. So we find out that that tech is there, but this town doesn't use it. And then we also see as they're going to this trader that you can see the city, the big city, in the distance. This giant megatropolis. And... So he goes, has his has his daughter saved. Apparently, he had to make some sort of deal that we don't know about yet. Um, but the the father we find out is the mayor of the town of Franklin, and currently its population is 288, and it was at one time over over 12,000 people. It looks very much like an old West Ham. When he gets there, there's a high tech truck and a businessman uh, trying to convince people to go to the city, and there's a big 3D TV floating in the 
guy that, that he's just projecting up there and he's telling everybody about what's what's so great about the city and everybody should go live there and the mayor's like nope you know we don't want you folks coming here trying to convince us to leave and all this stuff so there's a very short firefight where the mayor the father you know takes his gun out and shoots the ground to try and scare him away so they back off and they leave and then there's this town we we establish a time there it is it is thanksgiving because this uh, corporate man is bringing turkeys for everybody, and he's saying that if they come to his town, they'll never have to wait for a handout like this. They always get food. Everything's great in the city, blah, blah, blah. So the mayor says, no, take your turkeys back. Get out of town. So then we cut to a celebration, Thanksgiving. We see the daughter again. The daughter's doing well. Um, little side story about how she's a good pastry chef, apparently, because everyone's thanking her for pies that she made and her father's on the front porch talking to the elders of the community apparently about whether or not they should leave and go join the city and it's already established that the father won't go to the city um the daughter runs into her little brother who has what looks to be like an ipod and she gets really mad because uh, he shouldn't have tech so this entire time we don't know what the deal is with why they don't want to do go to the city that kind of stuff and in this issue we don't really find out but the closing thing in in this book is um, from the woods come raiders and these raiders are all decked out with like power armor and lasers and jetpacks, mm. and they just, you know, fly in and start shooting up the town. And that's kind of where it ends until the next issue, which I probably won't see for another 12 months seeing the state of the comic community is Shit. right now. Um, but it was very interesting. The art was solid. I thought uh, the, the flow of the story was really good. I was interested in finding out what the deal was with the city. Now, I immediately thought, every time they mentioned the mega city, I thought Judge Dredd. Um, but, yeah, that's what I thought, too. Yeah. yeah. But, the, I mean, I'm like, I'm like what could be the, the bad part? Why would you not want to go to the city? And I'm thinking, maybe they eat people. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe there is no city. Maybe when you get there, it's just like machines chopping people up. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, whenever, whenever a city... Like there are multiple cities. Whenever they buy out a community or buy a town, they destroy the entire town and they 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 uh, uh, they turn it into a forest and they and they bring animals back and they're basically repopulating all the all the animal life that was not there anymore. So these don't seem like bad things to me. So it's interesting to find out to find out what the deal with the the cities are. Um, I liked it a lot. I'm going to keep reading it. And I would give that a, I'd give that four gems, I think. Hmm, not bad, not bad. <clears throat> yeah. The next book on my list is an image book. <clears throat> it's called Stealth, and it is written by Mike Costa. Artist is Nate Bellegard. The colorist is Tamara Bonvillain. The letter is Sal um, Chiparano. <clears throat> so this is a book that's set in modern modern times probably like two, you know, obviously two thousands and it's set in Detroit and it starts out with, um, we're reading an article that's being written about Detroit and the state of the economy, how the city's like basically non-existent anymore. They talk about the system. They talk about the, the people, the rich people that try and come in to revive small communities. And then the artists that come in to try and to try and revive small communities. But in general, the city itself is dying. And then 
uh, we see we, we meet the writer who's uh, African American who's living with his father, and he calls his he calls his publisher and says he needs a little bit longer to write the story. We find out that the story is not supposed to be about the state of the economy. It's supposed to be about something else entirely different. And he feels driven to write this. So he goes down. He's he gets he gets in trouble with his, his editor. He goes downstairs, tells his dad he's going out. His dad freaks out because he tells him it's like two in the morning. And then the son's like, no, no, dad, it's only eight. So in this sequence, we find out that the father has some sort of mental problem. <clears throat> so he goes out and we cut away to after the sun goes out, we cut to a character called Stealth who's flying in the sky. He's wearing power armor and it's not oh, it's kind really of cool. necessarily an Iron Man armor. It's kind of like a dark, kind of like a dark hawk armor. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, it's very, very cool. So it naturally flows. Oh, the story naturally flows to tell us that you know that the that the writer has gone out to get some air, and this is how he's getting his air. He's flying out and doing his patrol. He runs into um, a guy that's getting held up, that's running a dry cleaner, and Stealth runs in there, and there's these kids that are graffitiing and they're watching what's going on. They're like, "Yeah, it's Stealth." And apparently, he's a stylish hero. So Stealth goes into the dry cleaners. He grabs the guy, breaks his hand, and throws him through a plate glass window, <laughs> and then. As you do. He walks out. Yeah, he walks out and starts beating the guy up. And then the owner of the place runs out. And he's like, what did you do? He goes, he broke my window. He goes, I didn't even have, he goes, I had almost no money in the register. Replacing, he goes, replacing that window is going to cost me way more than it would have for me to just pay him the money that I had. <laughs> so Stealth basically ignores him, ignores him. And it's pretty brutal. He beats this guy up pretty bad. And then he sees the kids that were spray painting that were kind of rooting him on. And then this, he turns to them like he's going to go after them next. And then they run off. So then we go back, and the kid goes back to his house, and he finds his dad uh, um, lying on the couch with a gash in his head. Apparently, while he was gone, he had fallen and hit and hit his head. So he's like, "Oh no, no, I'll be okay." So he's getting very more and more concerned that his dad's Alzheimer's or whatever is affecting him is catching up with him. We follow. We, we follow him to work. He talks to his editor. His editor tells him that he's going to end up getting fired if she doesn't do what you know he wants him to, what she wants him to do. So we see the stress that's affecting this character. And then we flash back to Stealth, who is on patrol again, who lands on a car that's speeding on the highway, grabs the grabs the passenger out of the like like through the windshield while the car is driving, and you know starts beating the crap out of these guys. And we can find out that he's actually looking for a kidnapped girl, and he feels that these guys can kind of give him give him ideas of where to find her. A bunch more people show up, and uh, as reinforcement to help the other guy, to help the, the other criminals. And uh, so he's like, he's like, where's all these reinforcements coming from? And they start firing at him. And so Stealth fires a, a missile at at the uh, at the backup and blows him up, up and then takes off. And we flash back and we see the son coming back to the house and he's all he's all like exhausted and stuff. And he walks in and he hears the TV on. The TV's talking about the 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 fight on the highway with Stealth. And then he hears a noise upstairs and he runs upstairs and he finds his dad his dad lying on the ground with the window shattered and his dad's wearing the stealth costume and his son's like oh my god dad you're stealth and he like looks up at him he goes oh what are you talking about you, you've known i've been stealth for years and we've thrown I, I failed to mention that he used to have an older brother who's gone now so apparently he died and in this in this segment his father mistakes him for the older brother and we find out that the father was stealth the older brother helped him and then the younger son never knew hmm. and so now we're in a situation where, where 
uh, we find that we, you know, we at this point as a reader, we realize that 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 the father is stealth and he has some sort of mental problem, and he immediately mistakes his son for one of the kidnappers, and to him he looked like a kidnapper, so he he armors up and starts beating the crap out of his son, and then when he comes to his son's lying on the ground all all tore up, and uh, and it just the, the that particular issue ends with him grabbing his son, realizing that he's got a that there's something wrong with him. And he's got to deal with it. It was super interesting. I at no point thought that the father was going to be stealth because the way they wrote it, they, they 100% made you think it was going to be the younger son. So I think it's going to be very interesting. And I, I it, obviously, too, it's to me, the people he attacked on the highway probably weren't, weren't even criminals. He was probably just attacking random people. Mm. And the backup people that came to help him were probably cops. So I'm sure we're going to find that out in the next issue. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So that is good enough for me to keep reading it. I thought the art was really solid. Again, I, I've got nothing bad to say about most of the stuff I've read so far. Um, I give that a four, four gems. So that's gonna be, that's gonna be a book I can keep trying for a little while. Sounds like uh, you've been reading yep. some real upbeat stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see, stealth, uh, join the future. <laughs> Apparently, I have. <laughs> so the last book on my list is called Mercy. And it is from Image Comics, and it's made by an Italian creator, and her name is uh, Mirka Mirka Alfondo. She worked on um, Unnatural, and she worked on uh, Unsacred or Sacred. I think um, it was another one that, that came out on Unnatural. I don't I don't know what to say about this book. It's it's a little confusing. The art's great. Um, it's an anime style art. I would say almost anime style art, oh, yeah. and um, it's set in what appears to be like the 1600s, more or less. And there's a supernatural element to it. Is it was a little, it was a little difficult for me to really know what's going on. But there's, God, this is a difficult one for me to review because aside from the fact that we have, have the opening scene is some sort of Cthulhu type beast, which we never really see fully, but parts of killing a bunch of people in a mine. Hmm. Some of the people in the mine uh, make it out. Uh, one of them is this woman uh, called Lady Swanson. And there's another woman whose name I didn't quite get that um, they set a bunch of dynamite and take off and collapse a mine. Now, Lady Swanson's husband was killed. Like, there's a picture of, of him lying there. Like, his lower half of his body's gone. So they escape. Um, a mysterious individual walks by and finds survivors or bodies from the explosion. I'm not quite sure if they were dead or alive. And he's able to revive somebody and take them on as his assistant, um, which I believe is going to be like the female character that we come across later on. Then it jumps to a funeral scene. Uh, Lady Swanson is a well-to-do person in society that also runs a brothel, but no one knows. <laughs> and uh, she suffers from visions of the Cthulhu beast coming back. Uh, in the meantime, we run into street urchins that work for like a guy that forces them to work in a cotton factory. Um, we see that there's different religions in town. There are people that worship almost like cult religions, and there are people that worship Christ. And uh, we start to see evidence that this Cthulhu Cthulhu beast is is starting to kind of like find its way back into town. Um, that's really about the most I got out of this particular issue. Um, it's 
the other the other books that she wrote got such great um, such great reviews. I'm going to keep trying this, but I don't know how I feel about this, so I'm going to give that a three. I feel like it was good. I don't feel like it was a standout. Okay. Those are my reviews. Excellent. Um, all right. So there we go. That's the reviews for this month. I don't even know how long it's been since we did our last episode. Uh, I think it's it's I think it's been two months. Yeah, probably. I think it's been at least two months. Yeah. And uh, one of the reasons for that is because of the state of things with the whole COVID-19 virus. And, uh, well, um, let's get into our next, well, our first real topic of discussion. And that is, uh, what's been, uh, what's been going on? So. It was rough at a store. Uh, yeah. A store, a store tried to stay open for a little while. Yeah. But then yeah, we right, obviously we had to shut down. Right. The biggest thing for me, like, I mean, I'm, I'm in, the, I've been in the house this entire time, so it's, I'm, it's fine. Uh, I, I know some people that have had to deal with it already, um, but as far as it affecting the, the comic industry and all that, I think it's kind of interesting what's going on, especially with the, uh, the announcements that were made by Diamond and DC Comics. Now, Paul, you said you did you read the article about Diamond, or actually, Derek, did you read the article? I did, yeah. Diamond. Because I didn't read that particular article. Um, so what was what was that article stating? It was well, the article I read was state. Well, of course, um, for those who might not be aware, um, Diamond Comics decided to shut down all distribution completely. Um, I don't know, maybe a month ago or something. Um, I don't think. It, yeah, it's might we might be coming up on a full month because yeah, they they stopped they stopped about a week I think after we had to close our shop down because it was starting to affect so many comic shops. Right, I remember that. I remember in the same week I read, I read, I saw on Facebook the post from the shop that it was closing, <clears throat> and then a few days later I saw an announcement from that um, Diamond was going to stop distributing. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. So they d- they decided to stop, and of course, you know, there's mi- there's naturally there's mixed reactions some people are like well yeah you should that makes sense and other people are like no you can't do that and you know all that good stuff um but then i read well it's I... difficult yeah this there's... keep going no go ahead i just think it's, it's difficult when you, uh, they have they're sitting on all this product that keeps getting sent to them right and they have to send it out to stores to make money right and stores are stores are not they're not canceling the orders but they're like we're not going to be here you need to hold on to it Right. And then also a lot of stores probably went and they cut their orders. Like we went and we cut the, we immediately, when we knew we were going to shut down, we went to our, we went and cut our orders down to just cover subs. So there's going to be, there's going to be uh, some, like some disappointed people. If people come back looking for certain books, they're just going to be for whatever subscribers that still come back. So, um, yeah. So, and so the article I read today, uh, diamond was saying they would like to try to start start back up um, in maybe mid-May, like I think they said May seventeenth, possibly. Yeah, yeah, okay. Then that's that's the same thing I, I was reading too. Then in that general area, like like by the second week of May, I think is what they were they were shooting for. Right, but of course that's they want to try. That's not a that's not a, a a definitive. We're going to start distributing again on such and such a date that's we want to try for this date and see what happens and so uh it's still it's still I mean, kind it doesn't of, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to be ready air, but 
I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, it doesn't hurt to be ready to get it up to get the stuff out there if they need to. Sure. But I mean, you're gonna have states that are still shut down because right. everyone's getting affected in different timelines. Mm-hmm. So there's some states that probably don't have a whole lot going on right now, but they're still gonna have to go through it at some point. So. Um. And then there's the whole thing with DC Comic. Um, so that was super interesting. So what they're doing, because I know you guys didn't read that article, right? I did. Uh, well, oh, you did? A little, I've read a little bit of on it. I think I read a different article about um, what some some of the specific titles. But go ahead. Yeah. So they have they have two distributors that they're using that's not Diamond, which is right. has been done since the 90s. Um, there was uh, Marvel and DC had their own distributors in the nineties and right. they, the comics were sent on different days and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. there's going to be uh midtown comics in New York. I think is yeah. going to cover our area and, um, uh, DTC B discount trades and comic books, I think is going to cover the West coast. Um, and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of comic company, comic stories are, really pissed off about this because yeah, I mean, was, I don't know how our store feels, but of, a lot of, uh, pushback. Yeah. Because I mean, everybody's been dealing with, and this is, a, this is a weird thing is that diamond is essentially been a monopoly since they, they became the only distributor. Nobody else distributes comics, right? Right. Which is good and bad. It's good because we have one, one place to do it, but it's bad because if something happens, it affects everybody. Right. And obviously, uh, there's no other, monetary option for stores to look at to get their books and there have been other issues now, besides just this with with diamond in the past right occasionally right yeah there have yeah there's been stuff diamond's not perfect but diamond is established they're trusted right like a lot of stores don't know that they should trust that, that discount trade and comic book site uh a lot of people don't even want to deal with them um, I was reading. I was reading articles that were interviewing store owners that are like, "I'm not giving them my information. I'm not sending them, you know, all this, you know, oh, sensitive right. stuff that they need yeah. to start an account with me." Um, so it's just it's weird. Yeah, it's a weird time, right? Mm-hmm. It's weird to see how much the uh, the comics industry is affected. Mm-hmm. Well, I've read some articles that, that creators are still doing their job, like nothing's going, nothing's happening. What do you want to say, Paul? It sounds like there's going to be more of a backlash, like a big old backlash getting this stuff back out there than it was now. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's going to be more of a headache. Because like you said, you know, people ain't going to be, don't like trust certain, doesn't trust certain companies giving out information like Dario just said. And that's going to set you back if you can't get, if uh, Diamond can't get up and rolling when everybody wants them to yeah yeah so it really depends on on you know once everything gets going um also distribute uh comic comic uh, shops have been unhappy with the titles that dc is releasing anyway like apparently everybody's waiting for batman 92 which is the first punchline right. um i'm not super excited about that character mm. uh, i'm not super excited about that storyline but that's what everyone wants and that is not going to be part of the the book's released. That's being held back to June, July. Like it's being held back pretty far, I think. Now, I have um, I have a list of the limited titles that DC is planning to publish in the next couple of weeks or planning to put out. Um, for example, they want to start off on April 28th 
with three issues, uh, Daphne Byrne, number four, The Dreaming, number 20, and Batman Giant, number four, mm-hmm. and, the, and along with reprints of Batman 89 and Nightwing 70. Yeah. Then on Tuesday, May 5th, they want to release Batman and the Outsiders 12, The Flash 753, Green Lantern Season 2, number 3, Hawkman 23, House of Whispers, number 20, uh, Joker Harley Criminal Sanity, number 4, and a facsimile edition of DC Superstars, number 7. And then the only other one they have is listed as May 12th, which will be Harley Quinn 72, Justice League 44, Justice League Odyssey 20, Lois Lane number 10, and Metal Man number 6. Best titles to choose from. <laughs> it's like, and that's not bad. They're not putting out so much. I mean, they're just putting out stuff that they have ready to go. Right. And they're not flooding the market and, with like books. And they said that they were also going to re- release those on digital uh, at the same time. Oh, same day? Same day, yep. Hmm. And they're, they're, I wonder if they're going to release on, I wonder if they're going to release them on the DC Universe app, or if they're only going to release them on Comicology. Well, that's a good that's a good question. And there there are also some people that are saying, "Oh, why don't you just release everything digitally?" And um, I understand where that's coming from, but yeah, because not all comic book stores are going to be able to open on those dates. Right. So if they released everything digitally, that would that would seriously hurt the 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 comic book store thing. Yeah, it will definitely. And also, it's bad enough. The longer people don't collect comics, the more likely they might not come back. Right. I mean, there are people like you and me, Paul, that will go back. But there are right. the casual buyers that mm. probably will just be like, "Oh, I'm so I'm so out of it now. It's been three months." Right. So. Good readings. <laughs> yeah, you can say that, but <laughs> but then that means there'll be less books being sold and. More books being canceled, and then eventually, you know, no books being put out. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I'm, I mean, I, I, I strongly feel that the comic industry is going to survive. Well, just, you think just, so? Just read out all the wannabes. Crazy. Yeah, I think I think it will. In the past ten years, what was that, Paul? You had a lot of people buying comics just because. Somebody would say, oh, well, now comics are cool. So everybody jumps on the bandwagon. Yeah, but that's how you get new listeners. I mean, uh, new readers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was my podcast brain. So movies do bring people into comic shops. Yeah. Do they bring a lot of people into comic shops? I would say no. Um, do they, do they, there's a lot of, we get a lot of business of speculators who try and get those <sighs> limited edition books and first appearances value. You and I feel the same way about speculators, but I mean... Not, some of them are fans, and some of them aren't. Right. Um, some of them try and buy up all the product. Uh, they're good and bad because you want to make sure everybody gets everybody who wants something can get something. Um, but it could hurt the speculative market, which in turn will hurt will hurt other things. So everything everything is going to have a domino effect in the comic industry. But right. I think that the comics won't ever go away. There's always going to be somebody who will put a book out, and even if they have to go back and put it on a newsstand or the drugstore. Or something like that to get it out. Mm. That'll be that, that'll happen. Well, what about they'll digital? probably have price again? Maybe go back to printing on newsprint. Are you ever worried about? What do I get? Everything just going digital completely? All the time, all the time worried about that. Like I've had conversations with people about uh, just the general state of the distributor of the comic industry and whether or not you know people like Marvel would be like 
Walt Disney would be like, you know what? We don't necessarily need to operate the comic line anymore, and we're just going to push it off to another company. Like, say, they wouldn't do give it to DC, but they'd be like, maybe reach out to, um, to Image or IDW because they've been working with IDW forever, right. and say, all right, you guys put out our books. Uh, you guys can hire and pay for the creative staff that's been working for us. Uh, we still have the rights, and we'll still take a cut. So because the artists and writers that they have, you know, access to basically write them scripts for shows. Like any, every, every single comic that Marvel puts out is something they can turn into a show. So, mm. cause they own it. Right. So basically what I'm trying to say is to answer your question about digital, um, comics won't go away. Even if it's digital, it, it would hurt stores, but I don't know. I don't know if I even answered that right. I'm in my own head space, right? Now. No, I think you did. <laughs> but the other thing is that the other thing is that, um, I know at least, at least that's entertainment, the comic store you work at and that we frequent. Um, I mean, a lot, you know, there's a lot, people go there for a lot of other reasons besides just comics. Um, yeah, absolutely. You guys do all, you know, magic tournaments, uh, D and D, um, which I miss playing by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. But oh, so yeah. basically our store is in a, in a good spot because we diversified a long time ago and they're doing a lot of other things so one thing dies out you know the other stuff should hopefully keep us going Mm. and the other thing and i I don't want to i don't know if if i'm talking over paul make sure you let me know but the uh the other thing is that comic shops are places for people to gather right and we're going to be we're going to be in a time where people aren't going to want to have mass gatherings right away but Mm. people need a, a social a spot to socialize and especially comic collectors and game collectors are Sometimes a unique group of people that want to have their own space, you know, like sports people go to sports stadiums, you know, gamers and comic fans come to the comic shop. So, yeah, it's well, the thing is right now, as with everything in the world, we don't know. We don't know for sure what's going to end up happening after all this. Right. And, uh, you know, even Sadly, even the comic book industry as a whole has been affected. And I don't know, you know, we'll just, unfortunately, there's there's no way to just got to wait and see what happens. Yeah, we'll, go, we'll know. We'll know in a few months. We'll know by, we'll know by August the whole, the whole system will have, you know, been shaken out and any changes are going to be made will probably have been made. I will say the only, the the single only good thing about all of this is that it's given me a chance to catch up on some of my stack of comics that I'm behind on. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I went through I went through and organized so many of my books in the first week. Paul, what have you done? Have you done anything with your books? Yeah, I got I got two half of one. I still got like another full one. Um, but yeah, I mean I made a dent in getting caught up. Yeah, me too. I was I going through and cataloging all my stuff, and there's things I want. There's things I want to get rid of, and I'm at an impasse as whether or not I want to even bother bagging and boarding them. Like, I know I'm going to get rid of these. Should I even bother bagging and boarding them? How are you planning to get rid of them? Well, only, well I don't know if you would just bag them. You know what I'm saying? You get it some protection. Well, yeah. Are you talking about yeah. selling them? or? Yeah, this stuff I was like, I was going to try and sell and runs. Uh, you know, like yeah. I've got, you know, I've got a full run of... of, of you know, New 52 Batman up to issue, uh, you know, 80. So see if I can get rid of that. Yeah, good luck with that. That kind of thing. <laughs> well, no, I think it would sell. Yeah, no, I think it would too. But, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, I found a lot of stuff I didn't know I had. Oh, really? Yeah, I was going through my Bronze Age stuff, and I'm like, oh, I still have this. I'm so happy. So <laughs> That's good. Yeah, but then there are some that you look at, and you're like, why did I buy this? Yeah. That's you don't know how many times I said that when I was going through my collection. That's always the case, yeah. But I'm gonna focus. I'm I'm focusing on my Bronze Age stuff right now. I just bought it. I just bought a book on eBay yesterday. They got the uh, the first Madame Xanadu. I've been wanting it for a while, oh, wow. and then they announced they announced they announced the Justice League Dark movie. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh crap! I, was um, like, I gotta buy this right now because it's gonna go up in price. Actually, I just read an article the other day that J.J. Abrams is going to be doing a series now for Justice League Dark. Right. That's why. I, that's why I had to buy it. I've been waiting because it wasn't a super expensive book, and I was waiting to just come across it at a shop, which is how I prefer to buy things. Right. And uh, uh, but since I can't do that at this time, and if I wait, that book's gonna go up in price. So I guys, I spent a total of twenty eight bucks for it, and that was after shipping. So it That's not bad. looks like it'll be in decent shape. It's not mint, but I think it's gonna be very fine. We'll see. You never know when you buy. It. I've had good luck with eBay before, but we'll see. I'm just glad I got. Oh yeah. Oh, you still you still have those? Uh, you, know, you said you have those. Yeah. You said you have those? Yep. I'm I wish I had those. There's a bunch of there's a bunch of characters I'd like to I like to I just bought uh, the first appearance of Black Orchid from a friend of mine uh, right before the shutdown. And that's a really nice copy. So I was very happy with it. Hmm. All right. Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to add to this conversation? Um. Nope. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know if it'd be even relevant because Dario said that he wanted to talk about the DC 5G. Oh, yeah. I think at this point we can just put that aside because that's going to be put off until fall probably now at this point. I was going to say, is that even a thing anymore? It is. It's still a thing. At least it's on their schedule. But it, yeah, and like the, I probably would want to wait to hear more about what they're gonna do with it now. Remember, remember when uh, when the big news was uh, Dan DiDio getting fired. Remember that? That seems like a long <laughs> time ago now. <laughs> I'm, I'm well, it's funny. Yesterday you was. You still what? Still doing cartwheels. Yeah, you're a terrible human. Now the other day when I was doing laundry, I was thinking to myself, <laughs> remember when the big news was kids eating Tide Pods? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, right? Uh. One thing I can say about Dan DiDio is uh, he's not a fan of Nightwing, so that kind of puts him a little higher in my book. <laughs> All right, so um, I guess we can go on and get to our, uh, I don't know, we, we still haven't had time to give this an official title or anything. It's like, you know, and we've only done one so far that I that I messed up the recording of, so... Technically, this will be the first edition of our, I don't know, book club, but we probably won't call it that. <laughs> but um, so basically, we that was such a good episode, too. Yeah, well, I know that was my fault. I completely I completely screwed that one up. Um, but basically, what we decided to start doing is taking a, a series, a collection, a trade paperback, something uh, we're going to pick, well, I don't know how often now. We were going to do it once a month, but but who knows? We're, we're, we're kind of going on a, you know, fly-by-the-seat-of-our-pants thing here. Um, but anyway, so we had done, originally we had done the Midnight Suns books trade, 
And uh, that is the issue I lost. Sorry. And uh, <laughs> But what we did do for this episode is the original Contest of Champions from Marvel, put out by Marvel Comics, which I ended up reading. I have a trade that I bought years ago that has the um, Avengers storyline, too, that actually corrects all the errors that they did in the, in, the, in the book. Oh, really? Yeah, because I don't know if you realized it, but it ends in a tie. Yeah. Like it, But they still are like, all right, all right, Games Master, you win. Yeah. But he didn't win because it was a tie. Yeah. So, uh, Dario, why don't you go ahead and give us the creative team. Okay. Creative team is as follows. As soon as I find it. I'm going to have to go to the page here. All right. So, stories by Mark Grinwald, Bill Montalo, and Stephen Grant. The script was written by Bill Montalo. The pencils are John Romita Jr. Oh, my God. It looks nothing like his art. No. It's so good. I know, right? <laughs> When I saw it, I was like, John Romita Jr. And inks are by, I'm not a John Romita the Jr. Inks are by, fan. Inks are by Pablo Marcos, and lettering is by Joe Rosen. Now, yeah, I mean, I've always liked John Romita Jr. up until like the last 10 years. Because yeah. it's gotten so sketchy. Yeah. But I just didn't even believe it. Because it, be it must be the inker he had. Because, yeah, I mean, man, it doesn't, like, wow. it's, it's great, but it doesn't look like his art. No, uh, especially not his current, like you said, his current. Oh, current, that's a mess. So, Contest of Champions is um, listed as the first ever, what is it, the first ever company-wide crossover, I think. Is that what they said? Yep, yes. Um, so, the the first their first big event, and in fact, it wasn't even called an event or a crossover at the time. It was just a miniseries. Yep. It might, oh, God, was it their first miniseries? Uh, that I'm not sure about. Um, but it's three issues. And basically... It sounds like it might have been their first miniseries. It might, yeah. I thought the, I thought the first crossover was like in the annuals for uh, Atlantis Attacks. Um, well, this is a crossover. Atlantis Attacks was their first event. Yeah. This is their first company-wide crossover. Right. And I think this came out first, I believe. What? Uh, Contest of Champions. Before what? Before Atlantis, Atlantis Attacks? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This came out long before that. Yeah. Um, so, basically, the story is um, pretty much every every big Marvel hero at the time, and even some of the second or third tier heroes, were all gathered together by... Um, a mysterious entity who we now know as the Game Master. Game Master. Um, the Game Master and the unknown. Is it the unknown entity? Yes. Yeah, the unknown player or something. Yeah. And basically, um, well, it's kind of important to know that before this series, there was a storyline in the Avengers where one of Game Master's um, brothers... The Collector. The Collector, yep. Um, was He was killed, right? Yeah, yeah. so there was a storyline, the Korvac saga, which mm-hmm. I never read. I haven't either. And I should. I know. I'll probably end up picking it for one of our things. Yeah, I was going to say, well, um, we could the do Korvac that. Sa- the Korvac saga, he died at the end of that. Mm-hmm. So the Game Master is has a competition with this unknown entity... 
um, where they choose their groups of heroes and they have to find an item, a MacGuffin as it's known. <laughs> it's a golden globe. <laughs> yeah. That they cut in the they cut in the four parts. Yeah. And they send it across the world and they have to go find it. And they have to, you know, kind of you know, race each other, fight each other to find these pieces and whoever wins, uh if the game master wins he gets his brother back and I forget what happens if the other entity if the other entity wins, then they will. Then the entity will increase the lifespan of our solar system's sun by another billion years. And like she says that when she picks her first player, who's Van, I think it's Vanguard, the the Russian, the Russian super soldier. Yeah. So she grabs him, and he's like, he's like, well, that's awesome, because you know it won't mean anything for me, but it'll mean the it'll mean the the further life of untold millions mm-hmm. or billions. And I'm thinking. That doesn't mean crap. I know, right? <laughs> like, Who cares? It's like, you know, the Earth could be extinct at that point. Just so the I know. sun's still going. whoop de doo <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so basically, you know, they have their fight, three issues. And what I found interesting about this is some of the, the choices they had for teams and for characters. Yeah, so, yeah, they... W- so let's just kind of go through it a little bit. So the first issue, obviously, is mostly the heroes kind of like doing superhero things that they did in the 80s. So like the first scene is everyone in the Avengers Mansion, they're having a very special like like former members day. And they're all hey, working right. on the gym and, and horsing around. And it's, you know, the Vision's uh, running laps around the track with Iron Man and <laughs> Cap and Beast and Wasp are doing gymnastics. And Wonder Man's working out in his, in his smoking jacket. And yeah. Scout Witch is doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they spend all this time like mentioning each other's names and what their powers are. Yeah, which I think is funny writing because obviously it's meant for the reader to know who they are. Right. Roll call. And then we see a scene. Yeah. <laughs> we, exactly. Then we see a scene where uh, the Soviet super soldiers attack the Red Ghost, and he's like, "By Lenin's beard, it's Dark Star, <laughs> Crimson." <laughs> Oh, Vanguard and Ursa Major. <laughs> ah, I don't yes. think you would have had time to battle off everyone's name. I know, right? Uh, so it cuts through. We we see all the key heroes. Fantastic Four, they get like a full page. Mm-hmm. The X-Men get like a half a page. The okay. event, uh, Alpha Flight gets a half a page. Yeah. And then everybody else gets one panel. Right. And then when they all they all appear, they, they all appear in this giant stadium floating in space, very reminiscent of of uh, Secret Wars because that's what they do years right, later yeah. during Secret Wars. Well, let's let's. Uh, I just want to go through a quick rundown here uh, of the singles. We got Luke Cage and Iron Fist, Spider Man, oh, yeah. Dazzler, and uh, Wildcat and Valkyrie. Watching Dazzler. <laughs> yep. Uh, Moon Knight and Daredevil. Yeah. Kazar and Shanna. Doctor Strange, of course. And Devil Slayer. Do you even know? Who- who Devil Slayer is? I have no idea. I, used I know to... who he is. I, I just I barely remember what he what he can do. I used to read Doctor Strange, and I do not remember this guy. And we see Spider Woman, Machine Man, Machine Man. I love Machine Man. That's awesome. Jack Jack of Hearts and Quasar. Oh yeah. Does he go by Quasar? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Jack of and of course Hulk, Doctor Samson. Hulk and Doc Samson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The All Eternals. the Eternals. That's kind of interesting. Hellstrom. Yeah. We got Thor. Son of Satan. 
Insert. <laughs> yeah, of course we have Thor naturally. Red Wolf. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. Sunfire. Well, even in that, even in that panel, they say all with exceptional abilities are taken from the humblest, like the American Indian superhero Red Wolf. Yeah. To the most flamboyant, <laughs> Sunfire. Sunfire. <laughs> and of course, Black Knight and Captain Britain and humans and a French hero called Peregrine, who I'm not familiar with. Are you? Uh. I'm pretty sure he was made up for this, for this book. There's a bunch of characters who are made up just yes, for this series. I believe, yeah, you're right. I believe he was. Um, like the Aboriginal. I think everybody. I think everybody in this page were, was either made for the series or very recently made. Yeah, and some of them are. So we had an Aboriginal mystic called Talisman. Uh, mm-hmm. Argentina guy called Defender, Defensor. Excuse me, <laughs> Defensor. 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 S O R. Yeah, and this one kills me in Ireland, uh, Shamrock. Yep. <laughs> that was uh, Sabra from Israel. I actually know. Yeah, from... she appeared in the she appeared in the Hulk, so she's not new. Yeah, I think she was in the X Men, not in the X Men, but in the X Men. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or am I thinking of some other book? I don't know. I don't think she was ever in the X Men. I know she was in Hulk though. Yeah, Collective Man. That's probably what I'm thinking. Yeah, Collective Man from China. The Arabian Night and Blitzkrieg. Now, on this page, Blitzkrieg, I know, was created for this book. Defenso yep. was created for this book. Shamrock mm-hmm. was made for this book. Talisman was made for this book. I don't know about Collective Man. Or, I mean, I don't know about Arabian Night. And it, yeah, that I don't know. I don't know about the, the, the Peregrine. The Peregrine was made for this book, I believe. But the Collective Man, was, yeah. I, I feel like I've seen him in other books. Unless he was I'll created, look it up real quick while you keep going. Unless he was created here in the used them again i don't know so then we have a actually not a not a a pretty decent page um full splash page of all of the heroes gathered together in some strange dome um, i love that i love this page it's, the splash page is great it, it yeah it's a great page i mean it's no george perez but it's it's a really great page mm-hmm. so collective man appeared in the incredible hulk in 1980 he was that was his first appearance oh okay okay and then uh you see all the heroes talking to each other. Oh, what's going on? I don't know. What are we doing? How'd you get here? I don't know. You know the usual stuff. And then we have like three. We have three pages of them like t- just talking to each other. Yeah. Hello, Beast. Try- Hello, Sasquatch. <laughs> and then finally, we get the collector and the mysterious stranger appearing to explain what's going on and why they've all been gathered. That's you know, of- just uh, uh, just interrupt you for a second. One of the things I love is, and this shows the age of this book is that everyone has funny little nicknames for each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or 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 basically outright insult people. Like when Wolverine meets Le Peregrine, he calls him a frog. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is this? Excuse me, that's Le Frog? Such a racist slur. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, man. What's interesting, too, is they gathered all these heroes together, but they didn't use them all. Oh yeah, I know. It's it, when, how how would it feel to be the people that were weren't picked? They're I like, ah, oh, I wasn't picked. <laughs> I don't know the people that were picked. Some of them, I'm like, mm, you could have made a better choice. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the, each person just closed their eyes when they picked. They yeah, like, probably. I will pick Sasquatch. Well, they they all have little uh, little uh, um, descriptions of why they were picked, and well, not really why they were picked. But... Right. 
Well, the teams that they put on too make no sense, which is interesting. Right. Um, I think what is also pretty neat is that at this point, I don't think Wolverine was that. Wolverine didn't hit that point in his in his creation where his popularity exploded. I think this was right pre John Barron stuff because it was around the it was around the Dark Phoenix saga that Wolverine really got super super popular. I think. Right. So. Um... After everyone's chosen, we get a na- another nice splash page of all the pick- people that were picked. We got, starting on the upper left, Captain America. Of course, you're not going to not pick Captain America. He's uh, the first one picked. Yep. Talisman, Wolverine. Uh, is that Darkstar? Yep. Captain Britain, <laughs> Defensor, Sasquatch, She-Hulk, Daredevil, Peregrine. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's, that's Savage She-Hulk before she joined the Avengers. Oh, yeah, yep. Uh, so that was after her book. After her book got canceled too, I think. Oh yeah, figures. Um, and of course they had to throw in the the characters that they made up for this, like Defensor. They got Peregrine, Daredevil, Thing, and who was that on, on next to Thing? Um, hold on, let me go to the page real quick. The Thing is Blitzkrieg. Oh, Blitzkrieg! Yeah, the German, another one. The, the German guy. Yeah, that they created. And then on the other side, you got a Iron. terrible costume. Yeah, it is horrible. Um, you got Iron Man on the other side, and uh, nuts. Um, oh wait, I'm trying to figure out who these characters are. I keep yeah. closing the book because I'm looking up stuff on the. I think he's another new character. Uh, no, that's Vanguard. Oh, is it? He's not new. No, yeah, that's Vanguard. Oh, I think uh, I think the so Iron Man, Iron Man, Iron yeah. Man, uh, Vanguard, Shamrock, Shamrock. Iron Fist, Storm. <laughs> Arabian Night, Angel, uh, Angel Sabra, Visible Woman, Sunfire, Collective Man, and Black Panther. Yeah, so there's your two teams, which they'll then split up into smaller teams to go after the four people. Glue. And it's funny too because when they're picking people, like the, they very specifically say, "We're not going to pick. We're not going to pick gods. Right. We're not going to pick Eternals. We're not going to pick aliens right. that happen to have moved to this planet. Right. So like why, they, why are they why, there? Why even summon? Why even summon? <laughs> right." All you, all you people can go home. Thanks for reporting to, 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 to roll call. You guys are all dismissed. Thank you. Thank you. Come again. more like jury duty. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you're not going to be on the jury. You can all go home. Yeah, just make sure you sign out with the clerk on your way out. Thank you. But Bye-bye. actually, actually, the other heroes don't get to leave because they have to stay and watch. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it could have been the substitutes. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I got stuff to do here. Can we wrap this up? <laughs> you know, I got buns in the It's oven. funny, and until they mention that they put the, until they mentioned that they put the entire world into a state of suspended animation, I was thinking, right. man, I forgot Red about Go- that. Red, yep. Ghost was, Red Ghost was just about to destroy Leningrad. Yeah, and I'm like, they're not there anymore. Super funny. I got to say. So the first issue was just a gathering of the team. I don't yeah. think they even go on. Yeah, they don't start doing the actual contest until the second issue. I got to say the the dialogue in this book is very of the time. Yeah, totally. Uh, some interesting stuff here. It's like so when the of the like three or four pages of them just kind of milling around, like talking to each other. Right. The uh, there's there's a scene that some some telling things I think uh, is uh, there's a scene with Doctor Strange. Reed Richards, Iron Man, and uh, Professor X are all together, and they, of course, go on to become the Illuminati because they're like, you know, the only person who should, who's not there right now that should be there is Black Panther, or maybe Namor. Right. They're the ones that end up pulling everyone's strings lately. Mm-hmm. 
And then there's a scene where uh, Black Pant, uh, Black Knight, and Arabian Knight and Defensor are all standing around, and <laughs> Black Knight's like, "The power of my ebony blade is mystic in origin, Arabian Knight." And Arabian Knight says, "As is mine, Black Knight. We shall test that metal someday." <laughs> eh? <laughs> like nobody. This isn't a party. <laughs> even when th- even when this was written, nobody talked like that. Ah, gotta love it. But I loved it. it. I I tell you, I remember buying this off the shelf when I was a kid. I was so happy to have this book. I got it off the spin rack, in a in a in a in a like a diner, like a like a coffee shop diner place that happened to have a comic book spin rack. Oh yeah. Well, the the covers are pretty interesting. I have to say, for you know what it is, and of course back then, I mean, this being the first big you know multi hero crossover. Yeah, that's that's something. Yeah, it had everybody in it, and I was introduced to a lot of characters that I never even knew, mm-hmm. like uh, Shamrock. <laughs> oh man, could they? Have... Don't knock, don't knock Shamrock. She's a great character. <laughs> well, I don't even know what she does. It's luck. Her power is luck. Ah, yes. So she's long shot. Oh, uh, oh yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but she was around shot. Yeah. So, um, we get to different scenes of. Each of them going after the globes. There's a scene that takes place in the the uh, ice cold. Is it in the North Pole or Antarctica? They think they're they uh, they think they're at the North Pole. Yeah. So this is issue two, and it's called First Contest: Frenzy in the Frozen North. Dun dun dun. And we have our three. We have our <laughs> we have our two teams. The uh, Grandmasters team is Talisman, Daredevil, and Darkstar. Yeah. And just a few feet away. Is the unknowns team of Sunfire, Invisible Woman, and Iron Fist? Yes. And they're all like, "Oh my God, it's freezing! We're not wearing any clothes." <laughs> <laughs> and what's funny is at first they're all like, "I don't know what we're doing here. I don't want to do this." But then some of them, like like Sunfire's, like, "All right, well, you guys can do whatever you want. I'm out of here. I'm gonna go get the thing. <laughs> you know, freeze to death for all I care. Whatever." <laughs> The not it's a it's gonna be an ongoing theme that we see in all of these is that none of them want to work as a team. They yeah, all just like right like, are like whatever. <laughs> like all right, well I'll do, we're a team, but I'm doing my own thing. And um, it's interesting the talisman there. He has some weird powers. Yeah, he does. He can project his astral form like dream walking is what he calls it. Yeah, and he's got. A boa that he swings mm-hmm. that causes a psycho effect. Right, and, and he can sense he can sense when people are near him, even if he can't see him. Right. So and, when the invisible woman comes near him, invisible all yeah. all invisible like, and she just gives herself away. He stands up and she and she's like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> but I, what I think is really interesting in this fight is when we get to the uh, the Daredevil Iron Fist fight. Yes. Uh, uh, Daredevil throws a snowball at him. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't make him play reindeer games. <laughs> Big scene of him splat. And why did Daredevil throw a snowball at him? So he could make Iron Fist as blind as he is. He's, yep. He's like, let's end this now. Which snowball to the face. So, okay, you hit him in the face with a snowball. The snow is not going to stay there. Yeah, but he's going to cry and go to his mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's he going to do next? Have him stick his tongue on a, on a flagpole? 
<laughs> yeah, oh, I do. I do have to say, I kind of enjoyed the uh, battle between um, Dark Star and Sunfire. Yeah, that was good. That was pretty interesting. There's some good animation there too. So I like the. There's a panel where Sunfire fires two beams, mm. and I just think that whole thing was drawn really well. Yeah. Realistically, that's the most exciting part of this. Everything else is just people running around. Yeah, basically. Until until finally, the ice shelf that just did that they've been standing on. This whole t- this whole time just breaks for what appears to be no reason, and Daredevil is able to zero in on the quarter of the the globe floating in the water, and is able to get at it. So Daredevil is the hero of the. There really the wasn't he's a part reason. of the Grandmasters. No, it just happened. It just, just, yeah, it just happened. But right, right before right before Invisible Woman grabs it, Daredevil throws his billy club, and gets it, and he becomes the hero of the day, uh, and they immediately get teleported back. I win. Then we, then we go our second our second contest. Yes. Which is set in an old West Ghost town. Because, yeah. As as all things should. Right. And the unknowns team is Iron Man, Arabian Knight, and Sabra. And Grandmaster's team is Defensor, She Hulk, and Captain Britain. Yeah. What a what a set of teams that is. <laughs> and immediately, of course, everyone does the same thing that the other team did. That is like, whatever. Let's do my own thing. Yeah. I I'm not working with you. I'm doing my own thing. But uh, but the other thing is, oh yeah, and here's a good thing. So the Arabian Knight, of course, doesn't like Sabra because she's Jewish. So right. he has a line where he says, "Bah, whatever her powers, the Arabian Knight will not fight alongside a Jewess." Jeez. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then of course Iron Man. Is it Just her nationality? Is it her nationality or the fact that she's a woman that bothers you? He just says yes. <laughs> his answer is just yes. And then there's a you know, and he gets a on his flying carpet, flies away. There's a whole thing, Iron Man. Oh, how can we? How can we get this if we can't even work together? Are you kidding me? I'm surprised Tony Stark wasn't hitting on hitting on the same. I am too, actually. I'm very surprised. Then we see. Yeah, because actually, at this time, he was hitting on everybody. Yeah. Then we see the other team, and uh, of course. Uh, Defensor is uh, hitting on She-Hulk. Like crazy. Yeah. She-Hulk's like, whatever, dude. (laughs) Like, Captain Britain, in case my costume doesn't speak for itself, I'm Captain Britain. I have his first appearance. Do you? So proud of myself. Yeah. It's a Marvel 2-in-1. Well, so I don't... I have his first American appearance. Ah. Because he appeared in in a British comic first. Right. And then, of course, you know, they're like, oh... Defensor was like, "Oh, I'll take, I'll protect you, She-Hulk," and She-Hulk's like, "Nah," and she takes off. So, yeah, this is a pretty interesting. Like, she she's the one who kind of runs and gets some fights. Like, she goes after Arabian Knight first, but doesn't do much to him. Right, and then she fights Sabra, and she takes a Sabra with one hit. Of course. What I thought uh, was kind of neat is that uh, the Iron Man walks into one of the one of the uh, buildings and he's using his unibeam on his chest to, to, as a flashlight. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Like, use, use that as a flashlight all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and we see a little fight between I'm Iron a huge fan of this costume. Sensor. You like yep. that one? That costume back Yeah, then? I love this. I love, yeah, I love this, uh, this uniform. Well, that's the one that I always remembered as a kid, so. Yeah. Although it does, it, it does kind of feel old now, but I guess so. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, as a kid, I was always like, "That's armor." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't look like armor. <laughs> I know, right? Then we see a nice, uh, a little fight between Captain Britain and 
the Arabian Night little sword fight. So this one, this one's like the first, the first thing was almost more of a race, but this one seems more of a fight. Yeah, there's a bunch of them as far fighting, and there's some infighting too. Like obviously, Sabra and the Arabian Knight are arguing the entire time. The Arabian Knight, uh, yeah, Knight there's a lot of combat. Very uh, hateful. Yes, <laughs> he hates everybody. Unlikable. <laughs> he hates <laughs> he hates Sabra because she's Jewish. He hates Captain Britain because he's an English uh, colonist. <laughs> he hates uh, he hates She Hulk because she's a woman. He's, yeah. He's just got a giant chip on his shoulder. Maybe he's gay. Yeah. <laughs> he's just a, a, a bad person. I think <clears throat> this one seems to be a lot. You said, she, you said that She-Hulk took out the Sabra yep. with one punch? Uh, one hit? Yeah, but at first she couldn't well, get Actually, she goes back. Yeah. She doesn't. She knocked her out of the fight, but I guess she's. This one's actually. I thought she was knocked out. Yeah. This one's actually the longest fight, I think. Um, and it comes and down it, to She-Hulk fighting Iron Man. No, what it comes down to is She-Hulk fighting Iron Man and Arabian Knight walking in the room going, hey, there's the thing we need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you Americans can fight each other. but And then the final page of the second book, at the end it says, next month, end game. So uh, Mar- Marvel's been using that end game for Very a exciting. while. <laughs> <laughs> this third issue, I think, is the best. Yeah. Um, so the third issue is I don't know. Tell they're just like oh, they're in Japan because they go to oh, yeah, they go to where yeah. the uh, the clay. Right. Oh, they're in China. I think it's China. China. Yeah, China. Yeah. And this one we got Vanguard, Angel, Black Panther, Wolverine. That's the unknowns. Yeah, those those are the unknowns team. The Game Masters yep. team. Thing, Wolverine, Peregrine. And of course, guess what? None of them are getting along. Oh, there, there's the line. Yeah, frog. <laughs> he's, he's not only he's not only doing that. He's he's smoking. He immediately yeah. lights up a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, that's which, weird. Which we don't see Wolverine do anymore. I wonder. Did, I, yeah, you do. Yeah, but it doesn't he usually smoke a cigar. A cigar, though. Yeah, this is clearly. A yeah, cigarette. he's smoking a, he's smoking a cigarette here. Mm-hmm. And the peregrine, peregrine's like, by the way. I am Peregrine. He's just instantly not likable. Like, he's not yeah. being mean to everybody, but he's just being so nice. Yeah. And they're like, whatever, dude. And then, of course, uh, Thing calls Wolverine Shorty. But this is the uh, the the Unknowns team is the team that I think tries to work the best. Mm-hmm. Vanguard, Black Panther, and Angel, they immediately, like, shake hands and start trying to decide who's going to lead. Right. Vanguard's kind of a tool because he's being a little bit pushy. And, again, they all run off and do their own thing. But they don't do it. They do it probably the most organized of everybody. <laughs> right. It's especially when uh, Angel takes off and Vanguard's like, like now then, black garbed one, how do you propose to use stealth and cunning in the flat plain in broad daylight? Oh, oh, you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, where, what happened? Where'd you go? <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to say, um, then we cut to Black Panther at the uh, the. Um, what do you call it? Uh, the city of the dead there where all the statues yep. are. And yep. he goes in there and then he meets up with Wolverine. And I got to say, I love this. I love the idea of these two fight duking it out together. Wolverine yeah, and Black Panther. Yeah, it's a great Panther. fight. That, that is a great fight. It's a great fight. It lasts, it, it lasts the entire time. Like everybody else is doing stuff. Black Panther and Wolverine are fighting the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's good stuff. And then, of course, you get... 
uh, angel fighting. Yeah, I mean, neither one gets that angel fighting a peregrine. Eric, oh, I was yeah. gonna say that the yeah, I was gonna say that the Wolverine and Black Panther fight they're they're pretty even. Not one of them is like clearly winning. Right. Well, you got adamantium versus vibranium. Yeah. Yeah, and then the the angel versus and, uh, the when angels fighting the angels fighting the other guy, and uh, angel starts getting his butt whomped. Yeah, by a frog. Come on. <laughs> and I can say that I'm French. <laughs> Which of course leaves Thing and Vanguard to fight each other. How'd that one go? I don't remember that. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't look like it goes very well for either one of them. Yeah, I don't think so. I just I love this. The thing gets cut off guard for a minute, but then he wins. I love this Wolverine Black Panther fight. It's great. The uh, the Angel Peregrine fight's killing me. It's just them flying around and they'll swoop down and grab something to hit each other with. It's pretty funny. Yeah, but at one point Angel Angel takes off and he's like, I, I can't beat this guy. He's like, he can, he, can, he flies really he flies as good as me and he's yeah. a way better fighter than I. <laughs> right. Yeah. But if you think about it, Angel has never struck me as being. Super good at what he does until it became yeah. So became Archangel. Archangel. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It looks like Wolverine. Uh, no, and how it ends is pretty neat. The how it ends is pretty fight? neat. The thing, yeah. thing walks up and he's just like, oh yeah. <laughs> even though Thing and Wolverine are on the same team, things like you, I'm gonna beat the crap out of you, Wolverine, because you're <laughs> such a jump. Oh <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And Thing finally just beats, just plows the. G, the living daylights out of Vanguard. It's also cool how when uh, Black Panther and uh, well, when Thing walks up to Wolverine, and Black Panther, Black Panther goes, "Hey, wait a minute! I think the object's right there." And he points to the ground, and Thing <laughs> goes, "I'll get it." <laughs> Thing's on the other team, but Black yeah. Panther doesn't care. He just <laughs> got it. Let's go. <laughs> like he calls Wolverine half pint. <laughs> Tony, everybody had nicknames for each other. Yeah. So that shell, old shellhead. <laughs> oh yeah. So that ends with uh, Thing getting the piece. And then we go to a jungle where uh, the final teams are fighting. And that's Storm, Shamrock, and uh, what's his face there? Uh, That's uh, Krig? Oh, no. No, that's Chinese guy. That's uh, Collective Man. Collective Man. That's what it was. I almost said multiple man. I'm like, nope, that's Jamie Madrix. And the other team is Sasquatch, Captain America, and Blitzkrieg, which that's an interesting team up because... uh, (laughs) You know, Blitzkrieg's German and all that. So guess what? Blitzkrieg takes off. I can do this myself. Yeah, exactly. What's super funny is the they arrive in a jungle and Blitzkrieg goes, "Men, what to say? God and Himmel. What kind of purgatory has Grandmaster dispatched us to? Like a jungle <laughs> is not purgatory." <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, that's right. This is this is when. This is when uh, West and East Germany were separated. Yep. Because he makes a point of mentioning yes. he's from West Germany. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was early. Yeah, this was this was this was. Uh, I want to say 80s. I want to say eighty-two, but I could be I could be wrong about that. What this book? Yeah. When this book came out, was that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, it came out in eighty-two. Yep, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um. So what's interesting though is on the other team. Uh, Storm, Shamrock, and the Collective Man. The Collective Man, of course, splits into five people. So they decide <laughs> they decide to split up and search, but 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 work together more than anybody else has. So yeah, no, they're a good team. And then I like. Uh, Blitz- I just think it's so funny when you said that Collective Man does what he does. He does what people. he does. <laughs> splits into five people. 
Um, and then Blitzkrieg goes after Storm, and Blitzkrieg has lightning powers. Uh, but of course, you know, Storm commands the lightning, so... Make short work out of that. <laughs> yeah. And then we get a, a nice little scene of Captain America swinging through the jungle, and he meets up with Shamrock, who I still don't quite understand what her powers are. <laughs> oh, yeah, luck. That's right. It's luck. That's right, yeah. Remember, she just... She just looks. She looks at that tree and she goes, "Oh, it's right there." <laughs> Isn't that lucky? She grabs it and it's done. Hey, I've always wondered what happens if Longshot fights Black Cat. Uh, it should be a regular fight. <laughs> yeah, their powers neither one of them, each other out. Neither, 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 yeah, neither, neither one of them have an advantage. It should just be a regular fight. Something lucky happens, then it turns into bad luck. And there's a, there's a, there's an amusing fight here with uh, the Collective Man against Sasquatch. Sasquatch just swats him away. <laughs> Sasquatch is like 10 feet tall. Get away from me, little person. Be gone, Pezzy. And then, oh yeah, so during the fight with Cap and Shamrock, Shamrock falls, lands on, you know, a pile of leaves or whatever, so she's okay. Then she runs, Captain runs after her, and all of a sudden a python appears out of nowhere to attack Captain America. <laughs> And the python but wraps didn't him attack up. Shamrock. Yes, exactly. It doesn't sound very lucky. And then, he, oh, lucky for her, not for Cap. And then here's what kills me. So during during the fight with Sasquatch and Collective Man, Collective Man concentrates with all his might and calls upon the strength of ten thousand of his countrymen. And it, it just shows it shows a close up of Collective Man's head and like all these tons of faces and and he gains all this power from it like, okay whatever but then he passes, he passes out, out. <laughs> it's like ah oh, that was pretty rough <laughs> like this and then there's a scene cap fights off the python of course you know and blitzkrieg shows up and he goes blitzkrieg any sign of the prize and he goes nine hair capitan <laughs> <laughs> And that's when uh, that's that's when a lightning bolt hits the tree and it falls out. Right, and then uh, Blitzkrieg creates creates like a a hurricane, and he pulls it out. He sees it, and that's when they they pull it out of the tree. Oh, but nope. Cap but Shamrock's goes, there. Cap goes to get it, and Shamrock gets it. So now all four of them have it, and it ends up being final score: Grandmaster three, the unknown one. Ah, uh-huh, but not Grandmaster Three. Yeah. It's actually two two. They screwed it up. Yeah, but that doesn't matter at the end. So you know they put all they put the globe back together. Blah blah blah. All this stuff. A lot of talky talky. And then uh, there's a scene where uh, the talisman talks about the Grandmaster wanting to pull somebody back from the dead, and uh, and he says it would cause a disruption of the natural order. And the unknown must be aware of that. And he thinks that maybe the unknown's actually working behind the scenes to try to convince the the. What am I trying to say here? Um, the unknown wanted this, wanted to to lose so that. Yeah, he's up it, to something, or yeah. she's up up to something. And then Sue Storm goes up to the unknown, who's did I don't know if we mentioned. Did we mention the unknown is in a cloak, a hooded? No, cloak? we never mentioned it. The unknown is the reason the... why we yeah the reason why we don't know who the unknown is is because the unknown's wearing a hood. Yeah, so Sue... we we know it's a woman though. Yep. So Sue Storm sneaks up and pulls back hood to reveal dun dun dun. Now I don't know if this is because 
this was not a surprise to me. I knew the whole time who this the unknown was. It was obvious. I don't know if you thought uh-huh. that. Um, when I was a kid, I don't think I knew who. Well, I, no, I, I mean, wasn't expecting I, that. Now, when you're reading it, when you were reading it, did you were you like, yeah, obviously we know who that is because yeah, I mean, if I was an established Marvel reader, I would have been like, oh, hey, hey, it's Death, right? Oh yeah, so it's <laughs> the unknown is actually Lady Death, and I was reading it and I was thinking it's kind of an interesting thought, and you might have just kind of helped me answer that a little bit. Now when I'm reading this, because death is so established, I knew right away it was death. Like at the beginning of the of the series, I'm like, that's death, obviously. But I'm wondering if back in the day when this was published, if it was if it would have been so obvious. You know what I mean? It wasn't the, it wasn't to me, and I don't think she had been used that much. Right. I mean, in the eighties, I don't think she had been used that much. I mean, Thanos was around, but she didn't really hang out with Thanos. Right, yeah. A couple times. Like, mm-hmm. when did... I'm going to really quickly look up when the death of Captain Marvel was, because that'll give me an idea. I don't even know. she was prominent. Yeah. I don't even know what her first appearance would... But yeah, I was thinking about that as I, oh, I was reading it. I was like, obviously, to me, I obviously, it's death. You know that. But back then, you probably wouldn't have known. And it probably... So Death of Captain Marvel came out in 82, which is the same year as this. So reading this back in 1982, you probably... That would have probably blown your mind that it was death. It did, yep. Like what's going on? First appearance of death. <laughs> so, uh, death does end up bringing back the Grandmaster. However, you so just to interrupt you for a minute. Death first appeared in Marvel Comics in Captain Marvel twenty six in nineteen seventy three. Oh wow! Okay, all right. So death brings back the Collector, but of course you can't bring somebody back from the dead without sacrificing somebody else. How did he not know that? Uh, yeah, really. So, of course, the Grandmaster has to be sacrificed to bring back the Collector. I don't know if that would have been a Grandmaster, fair... Grandmaster's like, oh, I guess it'll be me. I mean, I have a room full of heroes here. I can't just choose one of them. I know, right? The uh, the Collector looks like a little old lady. <laughs> yeah. I know he got he just got back, back, bought, brought back from the dead, but come no, on. That's what, he always, I know, yeah, but... He always looked like that. There's one scene where he's like an old guy. We're really no. There's one scene where here where he's talking to death. He really looks like an old lady. Looks like Aunt May or something. Yeah, I was gonna say he's, <laughs> he should be like. I'm gonna date that May. I can't wait. <laughs> hey, don't knock it. She should have won the whole thing. She wasn't even in it. <laughs> you don't know. There's a lot of people in that room. Yeah, true. So, um, death ends up leaving with the collector. All the heroes are sent back to Earth, and the contest is over. Yay. So. From the way you guys described it, it sounded like a Hanna-Barbera episode. <laughs> <laughs> I could, yeah, I could see it being yeah, Hanna-Barbera. Yeah, it might as well then. In issue two, I was waiting for Dastardly and Maui to show up. <laughs> so, here's the question now. What did we think of this now, and do you think it held up? Does it, hold, no. does it hold up? No. No, obviously, as far as the writing and stuff. But I do have to say, being that it's the first big crossover and everything, it, it's a bit of a piece of history, so it's kind of an important book in that way. Consider it a building block and move on. Yeah, it's like the foundation, I would say. Piece of a foundation. Well, it's, it's, a ma- it's funny that it's the first major, major crossover event. I mean, the people... People crossed over in books before, like 
in the Fantastic Four, the X Men appeared, and right. other heroes appeared in Avengers. But Spider-Man. this was the first one with like everybody. Right. Even though they weren't all you. Right. Most of they them. showed all the major people. You know, they'd have a panel where you see, you know, like Beast. I would like to have seen Beast used more and Spider Man. Yeah, That's absolutely. My, my own personal. But I don't know. I mean, it's. I think it's. In just in the regards of the history of it, it's an important. But as far as reading, yeah. as far as a good read goes, eh, and well, the and, art's great. I mean, the writing's the writing's silly. Yeah, the premise is silly. Right. It's definitely a dated book. But it's 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 better than some of the more modern stuff I've read. I mean, yeah. Some, yeah. That's true. Crazy, crazy dumb things that have been written. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. It's what I've it's what I've always told. Like my, you know, when I try. I explain comics to my brothers. I like when heroes meet for the first time, they fight. It's no matter what. <laughs> right. It's just that's how it is. They fight and then they realize that they have a common goal and then they work together. Right. Yeah. It doesn't really happen in this one, but it just takes out it just takes this the overall story out of it and it's like just fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do what we need to. So what would you rate this? Oh today. As far as reading it today, a two. I give it a three. I think the I art the art makes up for it, and I think it's fun enough. Mm, I'm gonna stick with a two. It it wasn't. Yeah. It's not horrible, but it's kind of like me. You know, it wouldn't be my first choice of something. What do you think, Paul? Um, I would have left from your description. I would have left it on the on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with you on that one. But you know, back then it would have been a big thing. I'm sure. It back was. Then, back then, we were grabbing anything and everything that was coming off the, off the printing press. Yeah. It was probably, what, a 50-cent book? I think it was a 50-cent book. Yeah, I think so at the time. But, you know, I'm glad I'm glad to at least have read it, given its history. Yeah. Yeah, now you can put it away for the next 30 years. Yeah, I'm also glad I got it digitally, so I can just delete it. <laughs> well, if you- you guys want to, if you guys, if you guys want to try and read the follow-up that they used, that they wrote to fix it, um, it is, let's see here. To fix it. It's Avengers Annual number 16 and West Coast Avengers Annual number two. Huh. If you read those, it basically fixes all the th- things that they ignored or forgot. Does it really though? It's kind of, uh, I didn't bother reading them for this. I read it before. It just kind of fills in. The holes. It was just a follow-up to it, but it was done years later. Do love filling the um, contest of champions, being that it was a big event book of the time, big special book was sixty cents per issue. Yeah, sixty cents. Ah, oh, days. I remember paying that. I paid. I, I think the cheapest I paid for a book was fifty cents on my own with my own money. Going to a comic shop with a couple bucks, four bucks, get four comics. Good times. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Oh. Well. Um, there you have it, folks. There's our, uh, there's our review of Contest of Champions. So we'll have to figure out what we want to do for the next issue, uh, the next episode. We got to remember to keep, we have to keep Korvac Saga on our, on our, our radar. We do, yep. But maybe, maybe next time we should, we should switch to something else, DC or, or something. I don't know. We'll discuss it. Yeah, you pick it, you guys, you guys pick it this time around. One of you guys. All right. I can get my hands on anything. No comment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll pick something else for next time, and uh, 
Hopefully it won't be as long before the next time. Maybe things will be a little better. Who knows? But anyway, uh, if there's nothing else, anything else you guys wanted to cover before we go? I'm all set. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for joining me. It was fun. Um, it's good to be able to do it. And uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, I got to come up with a good a good uh, outro for this. <laughs> But in the, until then, I will just simply say good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you for your cooperation. To contact the New England Society of Geeks, you can email us at nesogpod at gmail.com. That's n-e-s-o-g-pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Nesog Podcast. That's N-E-S-O-G Podcast. Find us on Facebook on our New England Society of Geeks podcast page. Follow us on Instagram at Nesog Pod. That's N-E-S-O-G Pod. Finally, if you could find it in your hearts, we would appreciate it. If you could give us a rating or possibly a review on wherever you listen to this podcast. Thank you and good night.